Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God for our dance team. I thank God for our praise team. Thank God for each and every one of you uh, in this moment of praise. And the moment we can give God back something that he is totally due. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to each and every one of you. So now we come to fellowship around the word. So let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks again for this great day that you prepare. God, and we will continue to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for this time we come now to fellowship around your word. We pray that you open our hearts and minds up, God, to receive what you have in store for us. And God, when it's all said and done, we will take no credit for anything that we do. But we always give you honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our statement of faith, this is my Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 18 through 20, uh, you'll find these words. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God, somebody saying God. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Who gave us this task? And with this task, we are supposed to reconcile people back to him. So look what he says. For God was in Christ reconciling. Somebody say reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Somebody say a wonderful message. He says, now he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. Somebody say through me. Through me. So he says, God is making his appeal through you, brother JP. Through you, Doc. Through you, Cliff. He says, God is making his appeal through us. But it sounds better when you say me. In other words, God has brought you on as his lawyer to plead his case. And this case is going to be won or lost based on how you present it. That's an awesome task. And he's given that to each and, other, each and every one of us. And so he is making his appeal through us. And then he says, we speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Y'all got that? You got to plead with some folk. You got to beg some folk. You got to really, really present a strong argument to some folk. Because that's what pleading is all about. And your plea is simply this. Come back. Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. I hope y'all got that. We're going to try to make it make some more sense to you here in a minute. Today we're going to begin a, a little short series that 
that are simply entitled, I Got a Wonderful Message. You know, in the last series, we talked about the opportunity uh, with the intent to inspire you uh, to seize every opportunity that you get to do good and to share the gospel method with those who are not saved. So I intentionally um, titled this message from a personal standpoint by saying, I got a wonderful message. The I in there is you. Amen? Amen. This is not Pastor Bolden talking to you. Yeah, I got my own message, but the I is you. And so you got to say, I got a wonderful message. Somebody say it like you mean it. Say it like you don't mind pleading the case. And so I want you to personally receive that truth that God has given you the wonderful message of reconciliation to share with those who don't know God is no longer mad at them. God is no longer hostile with them. You know, when God sacrificed Jesus for our sins, he was reconciling the differences that he has with us. Now, the word reconcile or reconciliation means a change from enmity, and that enmity means a state of feeling or being actively opposed or hostile to someone, a state of feeling of being where you're actively opposed or hostile to someone. And you're changing that to friendship. So it's a change from enmity to friendship, to restore to relationship, friendship or harmony. And so since God has laid aside his enmity against us, he has given us this message of reconciliation so that we can simply share with people that they need to come back to God. Amen? Now in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 15, uh, in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son, in the midst of the love and compassion of the father, if we look a little deeper, we can also see reconciliation and restoration. You know the story, the man had two sons, the younger son, you know, broke relationship with dad, decided he was going to be grown before time. You know, he just wanted to leave home, Cliff. He didn't want to leave home broke, though. So he told dad, hey, look, let's go give me my inheritance now. And that was kind of arrogant because normally, you know, you get your, you know, it'd be like my kids. I ain't got much, but I got a little something, something. And, it, and they don't even know that I may want to spend a little of my some sum while I'm still here. Yeah. And, but they may come one day and decide, give me my some sum yeah. now. That would be insulting <laughs> to ask for their some sum while I'm still living. They could have, it's all written down, they're going to get the some sum. But is that appointed? So when they come out of that, outside of that appointed time, now they're putting some pressure on the relation. Especially when they say, give me my sum sum, and I'm finna move to this place with what you give me. I ain't gonna even stay here and take care of you when you get old. I'm gonna just give it to me and I'm gonna leave. Now that's gonna damage the relationship. Amen. And so the young son decided that, hey, I want mine now, and I want to get it, and a couple of days later, Cliff, the boy left home. So that means that he already had a plan. Parents, when your children come to you with something, they already got a plan. They, they, all, <laughs> they already got a plan. You just got to look deep enough to see what the plan, plan is. So, so what happens is the young man leave with all the money, 
And you know, he go and just start to having some wild parties. I guess the young folk call it wilding out today. He just went out there and got some friends and they just gonna party. And you know, as long as you got money, you're gonna have friends. Amen. Money is a magnet. You know, it's gonna bring you some friends. So you know, he went out there with all his wealth and decided he's gonna have a good time. Partying, living it up, sleeping around, you know, staying up late at night, drinking, you know, just do what you do when you're wild now. But one day, Cliff, things got tough. The money. Let me look at this in verse 14. See, because when the money ran out, run out, people can get desperate. Amen. I mean, some of y'all ain't never been there. But right now, feeling you making pretty good. But if the, if the money run out, <laughs> you point to Jesse and say, Jesse making it a little bit good too, okay. <laughs> but but, but, but y'all making it pretty good. But Wayne, if the money run out, you know when money run out, your attitude change. Then you know the world look different when your money, some of y'all have never experienced being broke. I'm talking about real broke. I'm talking about where your money run out. When you, you ain't got nothing in the bank. And see, when you are broke and you don't have something, then it may cause you to act out of when your money. So y'all got to keep praying to God that your money don't run out. Because there's no telling what you would do when your money. So you sit here now all high-minded and thinking like that, but you ain't never been broke. I mean, flat out broke, all zeros. Say, Lisa, I got a witness over there. You know what, you know what a zero balance looked like. So, so the money ran out. Now look at this. In verse 14 it says, about this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. No money and no food. That's a formula for disaster. You know, because most of us can go three or four days without food. But boy, when you hit the starving point, I don't think nobody in here has ever realized or, or been through that starving point. But man, when you hit the starving point, you know, money and food, you ain't got neither. You know, you'll say, I would never do that. You just say never been starving. <laughs> I would never eat that. But you ain't never been. You know, you look at people who eat dog now. And you say, I would never eat I never eat dog. I never eat a cat. You ain't never been. It's easy to say when you never been. You know, we thought Star was eating light bread, Charlie. <laughs> By itself. With no meat. We thought that was starving. But this boy was. And look at this. While starving, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the, his fields to feed the pigs. Somebody say pigs. pigs. Now, even as a little boy going to the country, the first thing I realized, I didn't like pigs. I ain't even a Jew. <laughs> but I ain't like, when I saw the condition that they lived in, and when I saw what they fed them, and I said, maybe that's why they taste so good to some of these people, you know, because because the pigs got the leftovers of the leftovers of the leftovers. And sometimes the stuff the pigs ate
had been there for three or four days without refrigeration. So, man, when you end up feeding pigs, you're in a bad place. Amen. And see, sometimes people end up in a bad place in life. You know, it may not be a pig pen, but you got your pen that you may find yourself in when things get tough. Just so happened this Jewish boy found himself in a pig pen. And look here. The Bible said the man, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Neglected and looking like he's insignificant to the people around him. Maybe because he was a foreigner, he wasn't from that place. Or maybe because he came there all high and mighty with all that money and thought he was something. And now he done got humble because he broke. And find himself being a Jewish boy in a pig pen. You know, sometimes the pig pen will bring you to your senses. The things that mama and daddy couldn't teach you, the pig pen of life will, will bring you to your senses. Sometimes your best friend trying to just talk a little bit of sense into you, but you just don't want to listen. And sometimes you end up in a pig pen can be a good teacher. Because it'll make us reason with ourselves. So look at this. The young man became so angry again that he even the parts he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Look at this. When he finally came to his senses, somebody say to his senses. You know, you can talk some sense into you. Amen. You got to learn how to talk to you sometimes. Because ain't nothing wrong, Finley, with you talking to you. He says he finally came to his senses. He said to him that's proof that it's alright for you to talk to yourself. Especially when you need to talk some sense into you. <laughs> Amen. When nobody else is around, when nobody else can get to you, sometimes you just got to know how to talk to you and reason some things out in your own mind so that you can make a decision that's going to be beneficial for your life. Every now and then, you're not going to find somebody to talk to you. You're going to talk to your... He said, look how he reasoned. He reasoned that at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. So, so what he said, once he talked to himself, he brought his will in agreement with himself. And he says, I will go home to my father's house. And... Say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He was talking to himself. He was getting a speech ready that I'm going to, you know, when I get home, I'm going to go back in the spirit of humility. I left that little arrogant because I wanted all my money. Now my money's gone. So that, now I'm going back in a humble state after I'm coming out of a pig pen. Probably got on the same clothes that I've been wearing, you know, for two weeks, three weeks, maybe even a month. Ain't had a bath because I've been in the pigs. So I'm going back home undignified and stinky. You know, sometimes when your pride takes you so high, it will bring you down and you can be kind of undignified and, and stinky. I'm not talking, you know, y'all know stinky. Yeah, just get the picture. You're just undignified. And you didn't never thought you'd do that. 
undignified and stinking. One thing to be undignified, Brother Mose, but he said undignified and So, but he looked at himself and said, I'm not worthy. He was valuing himself based on the condition that he found himself in. He forgot that he is not the one who determines worth. It is the one who created you that determines how much you are and what he's willing to do for you will determine. But in his mind, out of his humility, he said, look, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Now look, in verse 20, he says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, somebody say a long ways off. His father saw him coming. Now, obviously, it let me to believe that the father may have been looking for the boy to come back one day. You know, fathers and mothers sometimes get insight. You can't tell, one day my child is coming back home. He done lost his mind out there for a moment, but one day I'm going to look with anticipation that one day I'm going to look out over the horizon and I'm going to see. So his father saw him coming, and look what his father was, filled with love and compassion, Finley, for he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him, stanky and all. Stanky. He didn't just stand off and say, welcome home, boy. He ran out, embraced the steak, kissed the steak. You know, some of y'all can't even get that in your own mind. The man, you know, man, you would have went running that. Kim, I know you wouldn't do that, but you would. Glad, glad to see him. Glad, where you been? Where you, what you know? No. No questions asked, just ran in him and kissed the steak. You know, sometimes our kids do things that they don't physically be stinky, but what they did is. And sometimes when they come to their senses, you got to embrace. <clears throat> y'all didn't want to hear that. Some of y'all brought y'all mama and dad a stinky. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey Amen. Don't get holy on me right now. Some of y'all have been prodigals and came home stinky. Amen. Amen. So, so now look, he said, the boy saw himself as no longer worthy, but the father came running, showing love and compassion, and embraced him and kissed him. And then look what the son said. His son said to him, you know, he getting the speech ready that he was going to say, but the father already showed that he had reconciled. See, because I'm still mad at you. I ain't about to kiss you. Amen. And you stink it too? Ah, uh, that ain't going to happen, Brother Wilson. But once I can put away my enmity and our relationship change and I no longer see you as an enemy, but I see you as a friend, I can kiss you, thank you, and Oh, I, that wouldn't even be my message. The Lord just dropped that on me right down this morning. Stanky. I, you know, I don't sit in my office and just think a word like stanky, but it just fit right here. I mean, it just came stanky. So he says, Father, I have sinned against both you and both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm not worth much. My dignity is gone. My humility is gone. You know, everything that you taught me is gone. 
So therefore, I just, just make me a slave. At least if you make me a slave, I can eat. And you'll probably let me take a bath, and I can put on a new set of... Just make me a slave, because I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm glad that we don't determine worth. And God saw us stinking, but he allowed, allowed Jesus to die for us while we were still stinking. Because he determined how much we were worth, not based upon our condition, but based upon what his heart was and the fact that he wanted to reconcile us back to him. Look at this. While he's getting his speech together and talking about he's no longer worthy, the father don't see him like he see himself. And see, sometimes you got to see yourself like God see you and not like you see you. That's why you got to talk yourself into some sense sometimes and say, I'm going to see myself like God see me. I'm going to see myself the way he see me and not like the world see me, not like my friends see me, not like somebody. I'm going to see myself like God see me. So therefore, when I see myself like God see me, I'm going to act like what I think God see. Because God want me to know, in spite of me being stinking. Look what his father said. But his father said to the servant, quick, somebody said quick. Don't give him no bath. Quick. You know, kind of like when you were little and you get hurt, you're supposed to go to the hospital quick. But I don't know why my mom and them always thought we had to be clean to go to the hospital. They didn't understand we supposed to go quick. They must have thought that taking us to the hospital dirty after we done got hurt, I had a cut in my leg this long. It's still there. And my mom made me take a bath before I went to the hospital. And to this day, I don't know what came over. Maybe she thought that people were stigmatized and thinking that because we were black, we dirty, so we got to clean ourselves. But mom, I'm bleeding to death. <laughs> I need to go to the hospital now, but you don't make me take a bath and put on some more clothes. I got hurt outside playing. I'm dirty. But mom just figured I need to take a bath first, so she didn't understand quick. So his daddy understood so he says, quick, bring the, somebody said, the finest robe. You know when the Bible got to, you know, specify something, it makes me believe there must have been a lot of robes. It wasn't just one robe, so because he say, go get the robe, but he said, go get the, so that means robes must have came in different categories. You had some cheap ones, some sort of expensive ones, then you had the designer one. So you go get the, because I want people to know when he put this on, who he belonged to. I don't want them to misunderstand that even though he came back stinking, I'm going to put the best robe in the house of him because he represents me. Go get the robe that you would get for me, and I want you to put it on restoring him to his rightful place and put it on him and get a ring for his finger. In other words, he needs to have some authority. Because people would have, who had power and stuff to know, they, their rings were their signature ring. That when you stamped that ring on something and that stick, signature was on it, people knew who you were. So therefore, when he get this ring on, Cliff, he walked through the neighborhood saying, you know, some of y'all who've been in the Catholic Church, y'all know the... Get the ring. Authority. 
So he said, look, you may see yourself less than, but when you put this ring on, you got to act like you got some. Yeah, uh, yeah, And then I don't want people to mistake you for a slave. Because slaves go barefoot. So I want you to go in the house and get some shoes and put them on his feet. So what I want you to see is that God is always ready to reconcile. He's already done the work to reconcile a difference. It's up to us to come to our senses and accept what he has already. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. It was always God's plan to reconcile us back to himself. So Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins so that God could execute his plan of reconciliation. And since our friendship with God had been restored by the death of Jesus, now we should be able to rejoice about our wonderful new relationship that we have with God. See, Jesus Christ made us friends with God, and we are no longer at enmity with God. In other words, I am no longer God's enemy. He's my friend. So therefore, I need to act like I am a friend of God. And we need to let people know that's what the message of reconciliation is all about. In spite of what you have done, God is not mad at you. Everybody need to know that. See, you got that. That's the message that you got to tell everybody else. In spite of what you have done, what you are doing right now, God is not mad at you. All you need to do is come to your senses because he has already paid the price for you because he is no longer mad at When we talk to people, we need to let them know that in our message of reconciliation that, hey, you can come back to God. He is not mad at you anymore. But we go to them and represent God in a way like God is mad and nobody want to come to the kingdom because they think they're coming to a mad God. But we got to let people at least know that God is no longer. And look here, the beauty of this is God allowed Jesus to die before we even got it right. We were still jacked up. And Jesus died. The world was still a mess. It would have been nice to say, look, until y'all get some things together in your life, then I'll reconcile with you. But he said, man, I'm willing to reconcile you, you and your stink. Y'all better hit me today. Look at this in verse 6, Romans chapter 5. He says, for when we were still without strength, somebody say without strength. That means we was weak and unable to, you know, to live like God wants us to live. We was utterly helpless. He says, in due time, somebody say in due time. In due time, Christ died for who? The who? So who? The un ungodly. Christ died for the, not the godly, but the, he died for the stinky. Amen. He, he died for the ungodly. He, he died for the folk that done been in the pig pen. Ungodly. He died for the folk that still messing up in life while they were still doing it. He died for the un. We think he died for godly people, so all we look for is godly folk to bring to the kingdom when we're supposed to be looking for stanky. Yeah. Not literally, but y'all get my point. 
you need to find some people that got a pretty long rap sheet. Amen. They got a jacket full of stuff that they've been, been going through and been doing all their life. Why? Because they still thinking that, hey, all that stuff in my jacket is too much for me to take to God. And you need to say, hey, in spite of your jacket, God has already reconciled with you. You just need to come to your sisters and come home to him. He said, now look, he died for the ungodly. He says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. In other words, you're pretty good. Somebody may die for you. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. See, to self-sacrifice yourself for somebody else to save their life, that is the highest sacrifice in the act of love that you can make. And even though the world is aware of that, very few people want to practice it. Amen. I mean, y'all God-fearing people sitting here today, but you ain't ready to go out and self-sacrifice. You know, if it happens, it's going to be one of those things that just something's going to come over you. You, you, And most of us, you know, we wake up, Lord, don't put me in a position like that. But, but if push come to shove, I will hope I could do the right thing. But, but, but the Bible says the likelihood bold and made scarcely will you find somebody that's going to die for a good person. But look at verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still, while we were still stinking, before we could even get a bath, before we can even get out of what we were in, Christ died for us. You know, if he had to wait till we got it right, Jesus would still be here. Man, that would have been, <laughs> that been a good deal for Jesus. Father, why don't you just wait till they get it? But the possibility of us getting it right without him is never going to happen. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. But look at this. For if when we were enemies, somebody say enemies. No longer enemies now. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled. Somebody say reconciled. We'll, we, will, we shall be saved by his life. Now look at this. And not only that, but we also, somebody say rejoice. rejoice. See, when you realize that God is no longer mad at you, that is time for you to celebrate. That is time for you to let God know that, hey, man, God has done something for me that he really didn't have to do, but he did it while I was still messed up, while I was still caught up in my stuff. God reconciled the difference he had between me and him by sending his son Jesus. And look here, we ought to just say thank you. I'm not going to ask you to shout right now, but rejoice through me and shout a little bit. But everybody, y'all ought to just say thank you. Just say thank you in your own way. Just say thank you. You ought to give him thanks because he's worthy of our thanks. Amen. Now, I realize some of y'all, you know, y'all were good people. You know, because the Bible does say, do much is given, much is required. I'm sitting in the house, Cliff, with the folks who were just minimally stinking. Because they don't require much sacrifice or praise. When, you know, you, you, you weren't that bad. You know, you may have stole a lollipop coming up, but you weren't that bad. 
So therefore, you feel like he didn't really do a whole lot for me because I wasn't that bad. But when everybody ain't like you, some of us thank you. And so those of us who look back and see just how stinky we were, man, something just come over me. And you just think about your life and say, God, I'm glad that Jesus died for me. Because if he had not died for me, if no one had introduced me to this message of reconciliation, then man, where would I? I would not be here on a Sunday morning talking to you all. Some of you, man, if someone had to introduce you to the message of reconciliation, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. Amen. Back in the day, some of us weren't even, oh my God, myself, weren't even able to get up this early on a Sunday morning. But look at us now. And we're sitting in a place where we can praise God and where we can magnify him, we can exalt him, and we can thank him for reconciling with us. Because we're in a better place now that we're his friend than we were when we were his, his enemies. So he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. You're not waiting on it. You already got it. That's why I say you already got this message. That's your assignment. That's your task. Well, well what am I to do when I talk to folks out there? You are to share this message of reconciliation. A very simple message. God is no longer mad at you. You need to come out the crack house. God ain't mad at you. You need to come off the streets. Stop selling your body. God ain't. You need to come out that bottle. You don't need that every weekend because God is not. You just need to realize that God is no longer mad at you and you can come back to him because he's already done the work. That's the message that you got to tell some of the people that you know. You don't need to be deep in theology just to let somebody know God is not mad at you. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to come and sit in our warrior development class. You just need to know one little message. God is not mad at you. And he said that is the task that all of us have been given that we can preach this message of reconciliation. You don't even need a striving ordination certificate. You just need to find this passage of scripture in the Bible and stand on it. And when you leave here, go and tell somebody that you know who's still out there at enmity with God. You need to just tell them, God is not mad at you. So this thing is not hard. I'm giving you a simple message. And look, I'm praying that God will show you some folk right now in your mind. I'm, I'm praying that you have, you know, you're talking to yourself right now, reasoning in your mind, who can I share this message with? And, and, and when you leave here, you just need to send them a text, call them, whatever, and say, God is not mad. Some of y'all parents got some children that need to hear y'all say, Mom and daddy, Ain't mad at 
Got real quiet right there. But that's what reconciling means. You need to call them and say, Mom and Dad ain't mad at you. We over that. We no longer hold at it. So whatever you need, we got. Because we're not A simple message that can be preached to anybody who think that they're unworthy to be called a child of God. And God has given that simple message to each one of you. Not just the preachers, but to each one of you. Look at this, in my last turn, I'm almost done. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, here the apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy, makes it perfectly clear that Jesus, somebody say Jesus, that Jesus is the mediator who reconciled the difference between God and humanity. So Jesus is the one who changed our relationship with God, bringing us from a state of being enemies of God to being friends with God. Now, Paul starts off by establishing how Timothy should look at relationship with, with, with those who are in authority. And who he should pray for. Look at what he says. He says, I I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Somebody say to pray. He said, now you're supposed to pray for all people. Then he says, ask God to help them. So if you know people out there who need help, you're supposed to be praying for them. And ask God to help them and have mercy on them. Then he says, intercede on their behalf. They may not know how to pray for themselves, so therefore you pray for them. And he said, now look, once you do that, and give thanks for them. In other words, while you're praying, start praising. Start telling God, thank you for what he's going to do, what he has done, and the things that he placed on your heart. You just start giving him. The Bible said all things give, not for all things, but in all things. So therefore, we ought to be giving God thanks for what he has done in our life, and we ought to be praying for others and giving God thanks for what he's going to do in their, their lives. Then he says, pray this way for kings. Mm. That'd be presidents to us. And all who are in authority so that we can live peaceably, peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In other words, you need to pray for people in authority because they can make decisions that can jack your life up. Amen. Amen. And so therefore he said, look, you ain't got to like them, but you got to pray for them. And you ought to be praying they make the right decision so that your life can be better based upon the decisions that they make. Instead of us cursing the presidents, we ought to be praying for them. Amen. Instead of cursing your boss, pray. I don't mean physical curse. You know how you can, you know. I think Brother God talked about that curse thing a couple weeks back. But you know, pray for him. So for anybody in authority, so that you can live peaceful, marked by godliness and dignity. Now look at this. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Now look what he wants who wants everybody or everyone to be saved and to understand this truth. So it is God's desire for everybody to know about reconciliation. It is God's desire for everybody to be saved. 
But we all know everybody didn't believe Jesus. So everybody that you minister to and you carry this message to ain't going to believe it. But that is not your call. Your call is just carry the message and plead the case that God gave you to plead, and then you do your best and leave the rest to him. But you're doing God and you're doing people a disservice when you keep your mouth shut and don't share this message of reckoning. So God wants everybody saved. Jesus died for So he wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Well, what is that? Look at this. This is powerful. This is to get rid of all those folks who are kind of polytheistic and, and you know, believe in many gods, kind of like the Romans and the Greeks did. That's why they had Apollos and Zeus and, you know, name it, you know, they had all kinds of gods. So Paul is making it clear to this society that he was talking to then, hey, for there is only one God. Somebody say one God. That's what we got to believe. That's a fun foundational truth in the, in, the, in the ministry and in the religion that you're in. We believe there is only one God. no God of the sun, the moon, the sea, one God. You ain't got to remember all them different names. You just got to remember. When people start coming over to you talking about these other gods and these other little gods, now, I can't follow multiple gods. I just got because there is a teaching out there now that tell you that there are more than one God. And so therefore, because they, they, you need to pray to this one for this and you need to go to this one for that. No. He made it simple. So when I get in trouble, I ain't got to remember, am I talking to the water God because I'm in the sea? Am I talking to the air God because I'm on a plane? Your children need to know Everybody got to know that message because that's the message you got to hear. There's one God and one mediator. Somebody say one mediator. A mediator is the one who go between you and God. One. Not Muhammad. Not Krishna. Not Buddha. Not Confucius. One. And he tell us who that one is. One mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man... Christ Jesus. So if anybody else try to introduce any other man, they ain't introducing the man. You got to say that is the man who reconciled us. His name is Christ. And this is how he did it. He gave his life to purchase freedom for I'm talking to you and you believe in, in multiple gods, and I'm telling you, he died so that you could be free from all them other gods. He died so that you could be reconciled back to, to the one God that is responsible for everything. And look at this. And he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, and this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Now is the time for you to share your ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. It is your task. It is your duty to share your ministry. And, and you can leave with just this little one message right here. 
You don't need to go and study another chapter in the Bible. You just need to be able to tell folks, God is not mad at you. You need to come back to God. And you need to plead that message with passion. Like you believe there's only one God and one mediator between God and man. Because if you're going to be a weak attorney, you may have all the evidence you need to win the case, but your presentation is lousy. You got to know how to present the case. And you're going to have to, some of y'all are going to have to get the right facial expressions when you're talking to people to let them know that you're confident in what you're talking about and that you sincerely care about their well-being, that you want them to be in the place that God wants them to be in spite of what they are. And you may be talking to someone who ain't took a bath in three weeks. And you're going to have to get beyond the smell just to hug them and say, God, you mad at me? There are a lot of folk that is unsaved right now because the church couldn't get past the smell. If we're ever going to do what God called us to do, we're going to have to get beyond where people are in life. Because if you were very truthful, you have to look back at the pig pen that you came out of. And I know some of y'all came from a luxury pig pen, but it was still a pig pen. You know, your, your, your pig pen didn't have slop in it. They, they just, you know, they fed you just the watermelon rind. They didn't throw everything else in there with it. You, you, you ate the good, but you were still a pig. Still a pig. Amen. You can put a ring on it, but it's still a... Lipstick you put on too? Still a pig. So, so what I'm trying to use that a little bit of humor to let you see that when you forget where you come from, you automatically assume that you're better than everybody. You're better than everybody else. And if I feel like I'm better than you, why should I come down to your level to talk? So you got a message, and I hope that you share that message with someone. And I just want to challenge all of you, and when you leave here, just put out a simple message to somebody you know, and just tell them, come home to God. Just that simple message, come home to God. And see what happens. You ain't got nothing to lose. God done already did all the work. We just need to be obedient. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we can do better than that. Hallelujah.